Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a call for change in Minnesota and around the country. An expert has tips on how we can help our kids navigate through and process these volatile times, and a candid interview with U of M star wide receiver Rashad Bateman on his role in the push for change. But first, a snapshot of a city, state, and country in crisis. We're getting ready for what will be one of the largest crowds that um, we have ever heard, and we recognize that we will be at the center of a, not just a statewide event, not just a national event, but what is now looking to be like an international event. And let's put ourselves in a position five and ten years from now where we look back at this day and we recognize that this was the point where we decided to make a change. We don't have a voice, and this is our way of showing it. We're out here cleaning up as well as destroying, but I mean that's how it goes. Dude. We have to, we have to do something for something to happen. And just to watch that horrific sight, it just stayed in my head, and I couldn't sleep to watch that happen to somebody. And for him to sit there and call out for his mom that has passed away. You could tell he was in pain. He was begging, he was pleading for his life several times and didn't nobody hear him. I want to say to my community, we hear you, we stand with you, and we feel your pain. I'm a mother of a 16-year-old black man who is 6'2 and growing, and I know that his interactions with the police would never be pleasant. Praying for peace and praying for hope, for the community, uh, for unity and strength. Uh, praying for George Floyd and his family. So we came out today, show our support for the black community. I think it's important that we unite. And what the hell's the message burning down the city so nobody can use it? I mean, this is a not a rich neighborhood, but it's very diverse. And they just ruined it for everybody. This is what scares me. Six feet, six inch people with military rifles. Until more Caucasian Americans come out, then Minnesota or any other state for that matter won't care. See, the problem is that we as African Americans, we can come out here and protest till we turn blue in the face. But the world is not going to take notice until Caucasian America, white America, is fed up. We know what Mike Freeman has done. He has continued to hold that blue line and not hold any officers accountable other than Officer Noor, a black Muslim Somali who killed a white woman. So what we need, we need these four officers, all four of them, arrested and treated like they were black men. time it's past time if that if that officer doesn't get convicted and sentenced properly 
I believe Minnesota will be ground zero to a powder keg. We need y'all to get up from some of them damn tables and make room for us. And if you don't, we gonna turn that over and set up our own damn table. They done went from pumping bullets into our kids to kneeling on our necks. Yeah. I'd rather eat crumbs with bums than steaks with snakes. Hey, we cannot hurt him. It defeats, it defeats our purpose. Stop! Stop! There were estimates of over 70 miles an hour as he come in, came in there. So even, you know, having resources there may not have been easy to get and stop that truck prior to him uh, getting up and upon those uh, protesters. I can hear the pain in a large group of people and the pain amongst the families. They, uh, they don't trust a system that hasn't served them, and they, they deserve to be heard. I've been given the responsibility of being governor, and they expect change, and that's what I'm here to listen to. Black people and brown people have been treated in a way that other people can't understand and explain, so we just... We want people to know our pain. We had this pain bottled up in us so for hundreds and hundreds of years, and us youth and everyone out here has the courage now to show what we're worth. I can give them the assurance that I can do everything in my power. That's that I think the thing. And in our system, we need to make sure, but they don't want to hear about that. They want results, and so that's my job to use the skills I have and the authority I have to get that done. We must have equal justice for the United States of America. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. And change is going to come in the tragic killing of George Floyd. And I proclaim with his son as my witness, that change starts today. Yeah! yeah. When I watched the video of George Floyd calling out his mother, I saw my son calling out my name. And that is what this is about. This is about humanity. It's about justice. This is what those officers took <laughs> At the end of the day, they get to go home and be with their families. Gianna does not have a father. He will never see her grow up, graduate. He will never walk her down the aisle. If it's a problem she's having and she needs her dad, she does not have that anymore. George Floyd's story has been the story of black folks. Because ever since 401 years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted and dreamed to be in is you kept your knee on our neck. I filed an amended complaint that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree for the death of George Floyd. And I filed a complaint that charges police officer King, Lane, and Tao 
with aiding and abetting murder in the second degree, a felony offense. All the world is watching. 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 Minnesota Matters returns after this. Hi, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz here. I know the past few weeks have been incredibly difficult and disruptive. We're facing an unprecedented challenge in the COVID-19 virus. I want you to know that the state of Minnesota is putting every resource into this fight. We're being thoughtful and collaborative both inside and outside of government to keep Minnesotans safe. What I need from each of you is, is continue to do what you've been doing so well. Stay home when you can, especially when you're sick. Follow those rules, wash your hands, cover your cough, don't touch your face. They're not just things to repeat, they actually save lives. If you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website and use the hashtag StayHomeMN. Minnesotans, we've been through challenging times before. This will press us, but we will get through it. We'll do it by the basic decency, about caring for our neighbors and following the rules that keep us all safe. We'll get through this together, Minnesota, and come out stronger on the other side. Thanks for your cooperation. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The political scene in Minnesota and the nation was already reeling from COVID-19, and this week's events turned it upside down. MNN's Bill Werner has more. Riots, arson, violence, and looting that tore through Minneapolis, St. Paul, and some suburbs last weekend dropped off due to the presence of over 10,000 National Guard soldiers. Governor Tim Walz loosened the nighttime curfew and began demobilizing some troops but Adjutant General John Jensen stressed that plan was flexible and could stop if the security situation worsened. I don't like the term pulling back. Yeah. What happened here early on, admittedly, we made mistakes as it, as it, as it uh, related to troops on the ground and even tactics. So we had to get ahead of the curve. And so Governor Walls said full mobilization of the Guard. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said the governor did not act decisively enough last week when the riots began. The first thing that you have to do is stop lawlessness. And, you know, then it spread around the whole country. When you see that you can destroy all these things, it's very sad that we lost perspective on actually having a real conversation about what's happening. An independent autopsy ordered by the family of George Floyd came to a different conclusion than the Hennepin County Medical Examiner. The knee to the neck and the knees to his back both contributed to him not being able to get breath. And what those officers did there that we see on the video is the cause of his death, not some underlying unknown health condition. As President Trump called for riot-torn American cities to crack down on lawlessness, the Minnesota Human Rights Department launched an investigation of the entire Minneapolis Police Department, the first time in state history. I pray to God that no governor in the history of Minnesota from now on ever has to mobilize a force to be on the streets to put out fires and to stop what we saw happen. And the only way I'm going to ensure that doesn't happen for everybody who follows is to take this moment and make the systemic change. And then what protesters were demanding. 
Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who had taken over the case, filed elevated charges against ex-officer Derek Chauvin, second-degree murder, and charges of aiding and abetting second-degree murder against the other three officers involved in George Floyd's death. Ellison asked, as hard as it is to do, for continued patience as the investigation continues. Because our job is to seek justice and to obtain a conviction, not to make statements in the press, but to do our talking in court. And to those demanding justice for the killing of George Floyd, Ellison said, We hope that they continue to raise the cause of justice, but do it in a peaceful manner. It is their right to express themselves. With that, I will say that they should continue in their own communities to build just police community relationships. With George Floyd eclipsing even COVID-19 for a looming legislative special session, Governor Tim Walz issued a challenge to the Minnesota legislature. I'm not sure there's anywhere else in the country that their legislators coming back next week. So you're going to get to see an opportunity next week how serious people are about getting this done. Because I will guarantee you there will be bills put on the floor and put to a vote. Yes or no, put your money where your mouth is and send it forward. Political repercussions from the George Floyd killing have reverberated around the globe. At the first of three memorial services Thursday afternoon in Minneapolis, longtime civil rights leader Al Sharpton delivered the eulogy. In the audience, Martin Luther King III. On August 28th, the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. We're going back to Washington, Martin. That's where your father stood in the shadows of the Lincoln Memorial and said, I have a dream. Well, we're going back this August 28th to restore and recommit that dream. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Kids may be struggling to process what they're seeing on their screens and what they're feeling in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. University of Minnesota Dr. Abigail Gewertz heads up the Family Social Science Department. I spoke with her recently about how parents can help kids deal with the trauma of what they're seeing. We already were dealing with something extraordinarily significant with a pandemic, and now in in Minnesota and elsewhere across the country, we have riots and unrest, and all of these things are unfolding in real time right before our very eyes. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about uh, what kind of an impact that's having on us, uh, adults and children alike. Well, you said it, Scott. It's really scary. 
Um, so to the extent that things scare us adults, they also scare our children, not only because they're scary and our kids see what goes on in the world um, to a greater or lesser extent, depending on their age, but also and mostly because children, especially young children, see the world through the eyes of their family, their parents, mostly, and their siblings. And so what parents fear um, is what children fear, often. In terms of what they're seeing uh, and what we're all seeing, um, can you give me a, a sort of a, a starting point for parents to be able to try to help their children process this stuff and get through it? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that parents need to do is to really reflect on their own feelings. So, and this is the case for anything, anything. I mean, goodness knows there are so many frightening things around these days, but uh, it goes to the, it goes for the pandemic and it goes for the violence and it goes for um, what, what, what happened to spark the protests um, and the, and the riots. Um, so what parents need to do, and it's not easy, is instead of react impulsively or, you know, react sort of viscerally um, from our instincts to sit down and think about how things are having an effect on us. If we can do that, it will enable us to think more intentionally about how we respond to our children. So that instead of reacting to our children out of emotions, sort of high tense emotions or fear or worry, we have processed that ourselves and then can make a decision about what it is that we want to convey to our kids. And also, um, processing our feelings ourselves allows us to really listen to our children and not be preoccupied with our own worries. I think that what you're saying makes perfect sense, although I'm also thinking, and I'm, I'm, I'm knowing this for, from experience as a parent, that uh, it's, yeah. it's easier said than done. Is there, <laughs> is there a way that we as parents can sort of manage those, those things to be able to more effectively help our children through it? <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I wouldn't normally say this in an interview, but um, I've got a book coming out next week that's exactly about that. And, and, and the first few chapters of the book spend, you know, help teach parents the skills they need to be able to do that because you're right. It's a skill and every skill takes practice. Um, and it's really hard. And the more something gets to us, the more worrying or scary or overwhelming an event is or a series of events becomes the harder it is, the more we have to practice to be able to regulate our emotions and to be able to listen to our children and to hear and to be open to their worries rather than uh, sort of projecting onto them what, what we're thinking and worrying about. We are, uh, for the most part, kind of a, a screen-obsessed society these days and uh, I think that that's that's true not just of of kids and teenagers but adults as well and I'm wondering what sort of advice you might have for all of us in terms of how much we're seeing uh, these these images play out on our screens and what kind of an impact it's having on us uh, is it is it healthy for us I can respond to that in four words switch the screen off <laughs> I mean, 
you know, you're right. Listen, I'm no exception. Um, we, the screens, the, the social media, um, the incessant news, the 24-7 news feeds our, our anxiety, our preoccupation, our feelings of being overwhelmed. And especially if you have young children, switch off the screen. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Abigail Gewertz. Her book is titled, When the World Feels Like a Scary Place, Essential Conversations for Anxious Parents and Worried Kids. It comes out in paperback this week. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Hi, Minnesota. Governor Tim Walz here. I know the past few weeks have been incredibly difficult and disruptive. We're facing an unprecedented challenge in the COVID-19 virus. I want you to know that the state of Minnesota is putting every resource into this fight. We're being thoughtful and collaborative both inside and outside of government to keep Minnesotans safe. What I need from each of you is, is continue to do what you've been doing so well. Stay home when you can, especially when you're sick. Follow those rules. Wash your hands. Cover your cough. Don't touch your face. They're not just things to repeat. They actually save lives. If you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website and use the hashtag StayHomeMN. Minnesotans, we've been through challenging times before. This will press us, but we will get through it. We'll do it by the basic decency, about caring for our neighbors, and following the rules that keep us all safe. We'll get through this together, Minnesota, and come out stronger on the other side. Thanks for your cooperation. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. University of Minnesota star wide receiver Rashad Bateman is using his platform as a high-profile college football player to try to push for social change. The Tifton, Georgia native just completed his sophomore season and says the death of George Floyd broke his heart but also scared him. He says having the incident happen in the city he now calls home awoke him to take a stand and work hard to make things better. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke to Bateman this week. Rashad, um... If you could put us in your shoes, what has this last, for for the specific purpose, what has this last seven days been like for you here in Minnesota? Um, it's been tough is really all I can, the only word that I can think to describe the feeling. Um, but it hasn't just been tough for me. It's been tough for a lot of people in uh, the state of Minnesota. I just hate to see people hurt and in pain and um Hopefully we all can come together as one and, you know, hopefully change some things around here. And I asked specific to what it's been like to be in your shoes for the past seven days. Let me now ask, what is it like just to be in your shoes, period, growing up in Georgia, spending time here in Minnesota, and as a young African-American, um, me personally, as, as a, as a uh, white guy, it is not easy to understand what uh, you go through on a daily basis. What is that like? And I know, you know, in a short interview, it might be hard to try to uh, compose mm-hmm. thoughts, but, but what, what, what do and what have you gone through? It's been hard um, growing up ever since I've been here all 20 years of my life. Um, it's been a lot of struggles and things like that, obviously being an African-American, but, um, and there's certain times I didn't know how to come about it because it became a norm. Like it was normal for me to not feel safe or for me to not know when I'm going to come home. Um, and it's been that way for a long time, uh, now. And I never knew really how to stand up for it, but, um, this one, what happened recently with um, with 
the Floyd family, it happened so close to me. And I feel like it happened right from my eyes. I feel like I had to do something, something. And given a platform that I've been um, given, I'm doing my best, everything in my power to spread awareness and spread love. And um, hopefully we all could be one again. Yeah, talk to me about that platform that you have. You're a, a popular athlete, the receiver of the year in the Big Ten. You play in a big city uh, for a Big Ten university. Um, what ways are you now, and what ways do you foresee yourself using that platform to help uh, create awareness and uh, help try to push social change? The way that I'm using my platform now is the way, as a, even as a child, um, I plan to use my platform always to give back and to help others in the best way possible. And now um, I've I've been given the opportunity to stand up for my own um, African-Americans and everybody else also. Um, And it's uh, it's a blessing, but it it can also be tough at times. But um, I know I can stay strong through it, and that's what I will continue to do. I think your marquee moment with the Gophers so far has been that, uh, well, you've had a lot of really good moments, but let's talk about – uh, in relation to this, you had the touchdown to open the Penn State game. Um, that highlight's been uh, replayed all over the place and for all kinds of reasons. And the reason I bring that up is I, I think one of the more powerful post uh, social media posts that I have seen that you and your teammates have done is love me every day when I'm driving my car, riding my bike, walking to class, the way you love me on the football field. And I think about that, 50,000 people, all is one when you were running down that sideline. And the powerful message there is, um, think of me that way when I'm riding my scooter to class, when I'm walking through the mall, when I'm driving uh, you know, to see my girlfriend or what have you. Um, it, it, it just kind of take me through your emotions on, on why that part, I mean, why that's so powerful. I saw it somewhere else written by written by another athlete, and then I used it. I'm not sure where he got the quote from or was it his own words or whatever, but and then I used it. And it, that one kind of hit me really tough because of sports because um, a lot of African-Americans play sports, and a lot of times that's, that's the only way out. And um, with that being the only way out, that's really the only way that some of us get support from – the white community, and um, just playing, not even just football, just playing any sport as African-American, um, all the fans love you on the field because you're you're benefiting them and making them happy. But when time comes like there is now, there's a lot of people that are silent during these times. Um, like they stand up for you on the football field or the basketball court, but when it comes to uh, real-life scenarios like what we're going through right now, a lot of them are um, silent. And uh, that just shows us um, people's real feelings and uh, things like that. So um, that's kind of how that that one came about. Rashad, have you and some of your teammates been part of some of these peaceful protests to uh, to, to use your voice that way as well here over the last uh, seven or eight days? Yes, um, I can speak for myself. I know I went to a, um, a small protest that was on campus. Um, I felt like it was one of the safest ones to go to. Um, but I did attend a small protest here on campus, and it was it was really good. It really, really good. That's MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm with Gopher star Rashad Bateman. You can hear more of that interview at minnesotanewsnetwork.com. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.